It could be worse. We could be a Harry Potter podcast. Damn! <laughs> Way to find the silver lining, Danny. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. You're right. That would be worse. All right, tonight on Rogue Quadrant, Thara just needs a fucking break. But then again, don't we all? Namir's flirting misadventures. Brands just better. And goodbye, Thunderstrike. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six standing by. Rogue Seven standing by. Rogue Nine standing by. listeners welcome to season 16 mission 7 episode 137 of rogue padron tonight we're continuing with twilight padron reading twilight company chapters 27 through 32 but before that a quick reminder of your hosts if Seth rogue 7 was a breakfast cereal she would be <laughs> frosted flakes because she's great <laughs> i love frosted flakes and also, there's a tiger on the box. <laughs> also, what, Daddy? There's, there's a, a, tiger. a tigress on the oh, box. Oh, tigress. Yeah. I make that, I yeah. speak like that when I eat them, too. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, while you're eating them, or after, like, it's an effect of like, eating the it's cereal. It's like an effect, <laughs> yeah. But I also kind of go, ah, rah, 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 like, when I eat them. Like, 30 like minutes, approximately 30 minutes after eating it, you become a tiger voice. <laughs> Yeah, for like an hour. It's very. I can't eat it before I go to work because it makes the customers really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You should try it. I bet you'd get better tips than usual. <laughs> We're like three minutes into the podcast and y'all already broke me. <laughs> I already broke myself. Yeah. We're already broke. <laughs> broke Vessary. Anyway, Ash, Rogue Nine. Would be honey bunches of oats because it's the best cereal and Ash is the best. Aww, that's true. Aww. I've never tried it, but Ash is happy. That sentence is true. It's great because it's really crunchy and not too sweet and not too, but not too like not sweet. Oh, that sounds ideal. I love. See, I love it's really weird because I could have sworn you just said it's great because it's not so sweet, and that sentence just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute. That is the right, most American Danny. thing to say well, about a breakfast cereal. <laughs> well, what's Danny, the point if six. I'm not bouncing off the walls? You know, not Rogue six <laughs> would be Lucky Charms, but yes! just the marshmallows. Yes, yes! The <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly it. Because Danny's yes. only goodness, the best cereal. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, Lucky Charms! Just the marshmallows. I love Lucky Charms. I love them. I just like if your teeth aren't literally vibrating by the time you're done with your yeah. bowl of cereal, then what's the point? Is it, did you really have cereal? <laughs> yeah, that's how exactly. I can tell if I'm like hypermanic because my teeth are vibrating before my cereal, not after. Oh yeah. See, otherwise <laughs> it's just sugar cereal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm diabetic. Can't relate. No. <laughs> he who is on. Still on paternity leave, Rogue Three would be Cookie Crisp because that's not cereal; that's just tiny dessert. 
and I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be Quaker Oat Squares because they are very under underappreciated, but they're very, very good. I don't know what they are, but they sound good. Oh, they're the best. Is it like mini wheats without the No, it's better. I don't know what mini wheats are. <laughs> the texture the texture's different. It's good. <laughs> I'm just going to send you all Quaker Oats. Uh, oats one of, I'm okay with that. One of the only <laughs> one of the only serious arguments I ever got in with Ben from Skyhoppers is we yelled at each other for 45 minutes about the validity of frosted mini wheats. <laughs> I <laughs> Which side were you frosted on Frosted mini wheats is one <laughs> of don't... the cereals that I actually eat as cereal. Usually I just eat cereal as like a snack and without milk, so it's just dry crunch. Um, but mini wheats I have to have with the milk. Yeah, I said mini wheats were good and he didn't. We got an argument for 45 minutes. Oh my god, Ben! I mean, just because he's wrong, but... (laughs) Sorry, Ben. I said his name wrong. My bad. Yeah, Ben. Bean. 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 Anyway. I feel like I'm in a Speaking of really satisfying textures, I have a question about Star Wars. Oh, great. I love textures. No, Steph, it's good. We love Star Wars. So, this week, it was announced that there's going to be a sequel to From a Certain Point of View, all about The Empire Strikes Back, which is really exciting news, because that is, uh, that book was really, okay there, Meg? (laughs) No, Steph, we love Star Wars. (laughs) I just, we we have to remind ourselves, it's like my morning affirmations, one of the things written on my mirror that I say when I wake up every morning is, Right, you're like five, five points. I am great. Yeah. I still love Star Wars, despite <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> I need to start like that Star being Wars my I daily do. affirmation, too. Yeah. But we, it's really easy to love Star Wars this week, because we got some really great news. So a sequel to From a Certain Point of View, it's the Empire Strikes Back edition, which um, the first one was really cool because it featured, they brought in lots of new authors, and we got lots of different perspectives, and lots of characters got highlighted that we didn't see before. And it uh-huh. looks like, especially with this one, there are even more like new authors who have never written Star Wars before, and a lot of like underrepresented identities. And like even cooler is that like they're going to donate all the money from this book to a charity, which is uh-huh. just like so benevolent. And so, like, this is just, this seems like really good news, and I feel like it's our responsibility as Rogue Padron to ruin this for everyone. It sure oh, is! Yep. <laughs> it sure is. I so, don't. Do you, is it, po- I don't like, there's just the so much good. Is there a way for us to ruin this for everyone? There is. It's okay, Ash, you're about um, to the situation. If you didn't right, hear good. that sound effect, that was me rubbing my hands together in anticipation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wait, 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 I'll just... Did that work? <laughs> That, that's a really uncomfortable sound. That's a really uncomfortable sound. <laughs> it's, it's very uncomfortable hearing it, but not being able to see the person yeah, doing yeah. it. I don't like it. I regret doing that. Anyway, not sorry for this, listeners, because we're about to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, um, granted, the first FACPOV was also apparently a charity book. Um, this This looks real bad. Especially it's bad timing. Coming, it's bad timing, especially yeah. on the back of an entire, like over a week of a hashtag of like publisher paid, publishers paid me that highlighted how little black and other, um, people of color get paid by publishers in comparison to white authors. And we've been seeing a lot of non-white authors 
tweeting about how they're writing in this book and it's their Star Wars debut. Some people, it's their fiction debut and they are not getting paid for it. What? Yep. Because it's a All charity the zine. are going to charity. I mean, charity, instead of charity books. Yep. They f- well, all the authors forwent any payment for their work, which. But Meg, surely all the authors knew this going into it, and therefore they like it was a good opportunity for them, just because you know they're writing for exposure, right? Mm, if you should pay creators and money and not an exposure, even if they could make a deal where it was you get a one-time payment for your writing in this book. And then all of the royalties go to charity. All right. But they didn't. They forwent any payment. Which yeah. And like, I understand, like, if you get asked to be in a Star Wars book, but that's like kind of the... You're going to say yes. Yeah. Is like, like, especially because this could be a chance to get into the universe in general. Um, And being yeah. like, oh, I don't want to, I want to get paid, even though it's for charity, like kind of seems like a dick move. Um, right. And, but also like, yeah. the thing is with like publishers and parent companies like disney is they have a lot of money publishers have a lot of money money. and they screw over authors all the time um and so if disney had been like we'll we'll donate our profits in particular but we'll make sure our authors still get paid like that would have been cool that would have been a good move especially at a time like this Mm -hmm. i so i am a musician is my job (laughs) and i have done charity gigs before and I have oh, never so you understand asked... the value of the currency that is exposure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna finish my story. That was a big nope. <laughs> I have done exact. I've done exactly one for free, and it was before I was like actually a working musician. Mm-hmm. I was like 17 years old. Every time after that, it's just kind of common practice. If nothing else, they give you like a one-time. You and you understand even if it's like a small payment, right. they're still paying you for your time, and it comes out of the budget of the event, right? <laughs> right from the organization. I've done that a couple of times. That's ridiculous. Oh, game development is a very different thing. You never get paid for speaking at things. You should. You should. Everybody you should. should get paid yep. because your knowledge and your time and your effort is valuable. <laughs> yeah, like these old and things, especially them- Saf. If you got if you got invited to speak by Lucasfilm Limited. <laughs> And the Disney Corporation, wouldn't you expect to get paid in that situation at least? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, like the I, like they have money. Give these authors some fucking money. Like they I have so got, much like, 40 money. of them, but like, come on. <laughs> like you but have yeah, enough even money like Disney. a one-time payment. Yeah, like not giving them any been. money whatsoever. You are just even <laughs> even like taking even taking like a smaller check under the like. I've done that before where I've gotten paid less than what I would normally get right. paid for charity stuff. because But they pay me anyway because you kind of go in like, okay, it's for a good cause, whatever. Right. But still, at the, at the end of the day, it's like it is time out of my day, time out of my like yeah. actual working and hours like, to put together. Getting something. paid as an author is so hard. Like It's an incredibly hard mm-hmm. job to make a living off of. And this is something that like a lot of people would buy this book. So like this is something that actually could have helped a lot of these authors make more money and be more stable so they could write more stuff. Oh, God, it kills me inside right. so much. And, um, and especially when a lot of these authors are from underrepresented populations. Yeah, because they're making an effort to hire more like, of those people. Right, and and they said specifically like this is we we made the intention of being more diverse and all of these more diverse people are not getting paid with dollars and that just feels really bad yeah and also would cut out so let me ask you a question can't afford to do this yeah 
What's your so let me ask you then, because like, I really want to support these new authors that are entering into the Star Wars universe. And like, mm-hmm. it, you know, a charity isn't a bad, like, it's me money, at least my money's going right. to charity and not Lucasfilm. Like, are you planning to buy the book? Like, or is there a different way that we can support them or kind of make our I mean, voices heard? The best that, like, way to support really them. How they treated the authors in this. Yeah, the best way to support them would be, like, to reach out. I mean, like, to actively, like, make it known that you're not happy that the authors aren't getting paid. Um, buying the book would probably mm-hmm. be good, because people will be like, oh, people like this book and these authors. Um, and also yeah. this charity, which, like, you know, isn't the worst place for it to go, especially if Disney's also not making a profit off of it. Um, but also would mm-hmm. be supporting their other works if you like them, and mm-hmm. you want them to be supported as well. Like, I mean, I know it's 40 authors, so you can't really go along and, like, buy 40 fucking books. Um, right. But, like... <laughs> If there's a particular author you but want to see is... more of, then you can like support. I, I like that work. though. Like, if you make a commitment, if you make a commitment, you like buy the book, and then you're like, okay, my my, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find like three new authors I've never heard of before and buy one book from each of them that I yeah, like after reading exactly. their stories. From yeah, before. yeah, like talk about when you get the book and when you read it. Like, talk about the stories that you really like and and like try to find more of their work and and don't um, buy it off Amazon so they get more money. Right. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, like, and, right, yeah. and, like, some authors, like, also have Patreons, um, because, again, mm-hmm. it's really hard to make a living off of writing books, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, even published, like, have published many books, authors have Patreons and things like that, so, um, Unfortunately, just, you know, the authors that on... make a lot of money tend to be the fuckwit reply guys on Twitter. Yeah. We all know who. <laughs> we all know who. <laughs> <laughs> It just makes me really angry because I've dealt with this before where, like, people will ask you to donate your time to whatever it is that they're doing and try to, like, spin it on, like, something maybe you can't afford to do. Right. Like, you can't, you have to make rent so you can't take a free gig or, like, something like that that month. And then they, and then I've seen it before where they try to, like, spin you into doing it and make you feel like you're an awful person because you won't donate your time to a charity or donate your time to whatever event, community event, whatever is happening. Yep. And I feel like the worst thing about it is that right. those, these agreements would have been made a long time ago, and then now yeah. the timing of it is extremely bad as well. Um, <laughs> Oof. Uh, right. What are they doing? Yeah, like, yeah, like, like this, this wasn't. Like, it wasn't better that when this happened with the earlier book, right? But I think yeah, that just, yeah, that it's happening in this moment makes it even more like in your face. Yeah, it's it's a lot more visible right now. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. as as the the world is talking about inequities in many different areas (laughs) um yeah it's very bad timing um also like yeah there's a point to like years ago like yeah small like activist and charity things with like good intentions won't will like try their best to pay you but also like as a writer and stuff i will be like yes i will (laughs) use my time to help you because i think it's important like i put a lot of um right unpaid time into like game development organization and stuff right, uh, but yeah. that's worth it because there's actual like <laughs> there is value to me for it um <laughs> right and but that like, is yeah it's very different to like a big company like disney right. being like hey yeah. hey right how about you work and for like free that is classified as like volunteering right you have volunteered your time for yeah this. exactly this is not a yeah. job that you are um i would be genuinely right. so it's, mad if i got to write different. for star wars if they asked me to write for star wars and they're like but we won't we're not gonna pay you it's gonna go to charity i would be so right. mad and and again like I, a lot of these new authors or even authors in general can't say no 
to Disney being like, yeah. or, or the publishing company being like, it's charity because then you're going to lose that opportunity. But also just in the group of other authors, like what if someone who is a very popular author said, yeah, that's fine with me. You don't have any power as like a new author who's just trying to get your foot in the door to say yeah. like, no, I actually need this money. And so it's, and I don't want to make it seem like what I was saying is that I'll, like, never do charity. No, 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 no. That's yeah. absolutely not the case. Yeah. And, but, but there is there is certain times when you work, when your entire livelihood is based off of freelance gigs, mm-hmm. which for a period in my life it, to- it definitely was. It's like you, it people don't consider the amount of, like, time and effort that goes, like, how many hours out of the day you have to t- take. Right. To do something for charity that you can otherwise use for paying gigs. Yep. Yeah. Especially if you're a freelancer. So it's like, it's that's, it's stuff like that where it's like, you gotta like think about that. And a lot of the times, something like this, you, you feel like you just don't have a choice. You kind of have to suck it up and do it and like work the extra hours, lose out on other opportunities potentially because of stuff like that. Yep. And that's what makes me really angry about this because Lucasfilm can afford to pay them. Yep. It's, it's one thing if it was like a small activist organization mm-hmm. that was like, hey, can you, can we, we want to put together this anthology. Would you donate your time? Right. Yeah. Cause like <laughs> I've, I've submitted to charity zines like writing or art. Um, and like I don't get paid for it, but like no one's getting paid for it, including the person who's like putting it together. And printing it or making it available, like, no one is making money off of it. All of it is going to charity. And it's all, like, fans from the internet. We're not professional X, Y, and Z, right? Like, it's it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, in, to, in conclusion, um, I think that what sounds like what we should do is, you know, once we've read the book, is maybe even on the podcast, we can have a... Maybe in lieu of the Star Wars question, this will this will give me some freebies for a few weeks. We yeah. can highlight <laughs> certain authors and stories. Maybe we've never really done an interview before. Maybe we can get one of these authors on our podcast and talk to them because that could be kind of interesting. So yeah. um, uh, I, I do know it is very uh, hard to get Lucasfilm to agree yeah. to that kind of stuff on podcasts. I swear, uh, <laughs> we may yep. have uh, we may have been hoisted by our own petard there. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why we've had had nothing but glowing things to say about Lucasfilm and Disney and Star Wars in the last few years. <laughs> so, like, I feel like that—that's the least of my concerns. Definitely no swearing, <laughs> right? We're, but we're such a fun, family-friendly show for today's yep. family. <laughs> yep. By most definitions, we're not even a Star Wars podcast anymore. So I don't see why Lucasfilm would have any concern. <laughs> I don't know. We talk about Star Wars. We're talking yeah, about Star Wars right now. Speaking of Star speaking Wars. Of. Speaking of yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> Let's talk about Star Wars. Let's get into Twilight <laughs> Company. Yeah. Chapters 27 32. Um, AKA a fun ride for all. It's all good. Everything's all good. It's all good. Everything's so happy. It's all good here. <laughs> Situation normal. Oh, God. Okay. Back to Planet Solace. Nine days into Operation Ringbreaker. Thera hasn't been feeling much like SP-475 lately. The explosion gave her a nasty scar, partial deafness in her right ear, and a splitting headache. Or a lot of splitting headaches. Nobody has been to visit her, and her uncle is still detained. And she thinks he's going to be released. That damn fool. Are the splitting headaches all happening at the same time? Yeah. No, I think they're like, oh, maybe. No, I don't know. (laughs) multiple, Multiple splitting headaches at once just sounds like the worst. It does. It's like the different parts of your head are all getting splitting headaches. Oh, <laughs> I think it's just a migraine. Yeah, I hate migraine. I don't know, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. 
On her first day back, she works with 113, who was also caught in the explosion. She wonders if he's original clone trooper since he survived when others didn't, being so close to the blast. He gives her kudos for surviving, but tells her that she needs to do better. What the hell else could she have done? Right, like... <laughs> I, uh, stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. He says that she should have the time the Medroid said that she should wait before going back on active duty. They're understaffed, which is <laughs> relatable. I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. It's too Don't like real. that. It's way too real. <laughs> right. A week later, her Staff, first are you comparing your experience working in a coffee shop to uh, being on the front lines of the Galactic Civil War? Yeah. I'm comparing my experience with upper management who only cares about profit to- Yep. The Imperials. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think that I don't think the first one is all that outlandish either. I was just wondering. <laughs> I mean the first one's a little I mean, you know, you know, you know. Sometimes our stores explode. Uh what? <laughs> no, I'm just I, kidding. Sometimes a machine's sometimes breaking that's annoying. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she watches a transport arrive from behind a maintenance crew. A shitload of troopers, officers, and security personnel march out. Apparent labor, apparently labor oversight, since the attacker Madonna has left Pinyam to pick up the lost production. Thera is pissed at the idea of it because she thinks that Pinyam should be fine on its own. Mm. Something happens. There's a sudden high-pitched whine in her helmet, and her fellow troopers start shouting, sending her into a panic attack. Another trooper gestures her to look up, and her helmet targets a floating sphere. She brings her rifle up and shoots it down. There's no explosion. Nobody dies. It's fine. The sphere is, deter- is determined to be a rebel spy cam. She's complimented for her shooting, but she just wants to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. 15 light years off. Time. She's fine. She's fine. I think I think she's going to come around eventually. <laughs> to, to what? Something else. Okay. Something different. Was, I that's not being an empire person. <laughs> just... Something that's not this. Okay, yeah. okay. Because this is just Oof. bad. It could go one of two ways, you know? Yeah, that's why I'm kind of worried here. Yeah, I, I truly cannot remember which way she goes, and I don't like that. Yeah, that sounds bad. Mm. Yeah, for the record, I don't remember how this book actually ends, Uh, so that's fun. Oh. 15 light years off the Rimmer trade route, <laughs> 10 days into Operation Ringbreaker. Twilight takes out the dockyards of Najin... Nijin Rovi in less than a day. Twilight celebrates on their return. Mm-hmm. Namir's surprised to see Chalice retreat to her room rather than accept congratulations. Up next, Obamubo. Ob- mm-hmm. <laughs> Meg, I put these in specifically so that I would struggle so that you could you could appreciate somebody else doing it. It's just Obama. <laughs> Obama. I, I can think it's Obumbo, because that sounds fun. Obumbo. Obumbo. Yeah. Ob- yeah. Ob- Obama. Like a yeah. silent, the, the second U yeah, is silent. It's a silent U, yeah, a bumbo. A bumbo? Okay, yeah, yeah, silent yeah, yeah. U. It's a silent U, you know, a the silent U. Yeah. Uh, their goal is to take out an Imperial garrison so that certain people get promoted out of Kuat. Fungis asks why they can't just assassinate the target rather than risk the whole company, but Chalice explains that they can't risk the Empire catching on to what they're doing. The Obumbo attack is bloody. Dozens die. That's bad. Um, but they win. It's bad. It's fine. Mm. Namir finds... A group of soldiers gather around a hollow in the mess hall. An attractive imperial woman is announcing a bunch of victories. Roach asks if any of what she's saying is true, but Namir doesn't know. It's propaganda, so not all of it is true, at least. Medir, the woman who tried to kill Chalice and then became, like, determined to protect her, is yep. one of the first casualties on Nicadia. <laughs> uh. Namir stays by her side as she dies from a bioweapon. 
very familiar diet uh. bioweapon. After more deaths, Namir leads the squad to burn down the warehouse and they win Nicadia too. When they return to the Thunderstrike, Namir marches straight to Chalice's quarters. It was the same bioweapon as on Coyote, but they destroyed the facility. There shouldn't be more of the stuff, and he thinks that she lied to him. She tells him that oh, he doesn't understand. Precious oh, precious baby. They're about to fight. <laughs> Don't fight. Oh. You're friends now. Namir's such a... Oh. <sighs> What a baby. She tells him that he doesn't understand the real scale of the Empire. It took her long enough to figure out, figure it out for herself. His squad had destroyed enough biotoxin to save millions, maybe more, but there's more of it stored across the galaxy. Ah, <sighs> oh, buddy. <laughs> it won't be long until Kuat, at least. Nami hopes so, because Hober's tired of conducting funerals. Like, it's a really big galaxy, and the Empire is really big and terrible. <laughs> yeah, like, they were just starting to produce biotoxins. They'd had them for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah Who's he supposed to blame if he can't blame Chalice? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, himself? <laughs> Wait, no, that's not better. <laughs> that's not any better, Meg. Blame the Empire. <laughs> blame the Empire, yes. Yeah. An hour before the funeral ceremony in the vehicle bay, Namir finds a speech added to his data pad about how Twilight will honor the soldier sacrifices, how Nicadia was a reminder of how bad the Empire really is, as if anyone needed it, and how the Empire chose to deploy a bioweapon on a world that could have fed trillions. He doesn't read the speech at the funeral. <laughs> he just stays silent. Chalice instead takes it upon herself to read it. The reaction is mostly positive, and Namir is surprised, because Chalice is actually winning the company over. Of course she is, because she's a decent person. That could be just you, too stubborn to see it. That could be you, <laughs> she... but you're playing. Yeah, that could, could be you. Namir. God damn, Chalice is... <sighs> Namir, you dumbass. <laughs> she wants you to be the one who's Yeah, doing she's trying so hard to make him the one that does the stuff, and he's like, no. <laughs> no. I don't <laughs> she doesn't, want She it. doesn't want to be this person. Namir's middle name is be. Petulant. He's... Oh my He's god! He's a baby. Yeah. Namir He's like a thirteen-year-old baby. <laughs> I think I think Hazaram is his first name. Sam. Oh yeah, Hazaram Petulant. Namir. Namir, comma space Petulant Hazaram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, you got the uh, comment in there. Thank you, editor. Sounds good. Yeah. Afterwards, he heads straight to his bunk instead of to the clubhouse or to see Chalice, and wonders what Hal would have done differently. Maybe Namir's perspective has just changed, and Twilight's still doing the same thing it always has. They fight two more battles in the mountains of Natur and the miasmic canyons of Zagobah. Soldiers Zagobah. die. Zagobah. 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 I don't know. It's an X. Dagobah. Yeah, I was like, is that where, like, <laughs> Zesty Yoda is? <laughs> like, yeah, like, Zesty Yoda like the and the miasmic universe canyons. version of Dagobah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, where, it's where sexy Yoda lives. I mean, yeah, there's an um, Onderon and an Alderon. That's Alderon. why it's an X. <laughs> I think you just mean smooth Yoda. Smooth <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Yoda is. Oh my god! Soldiers die. Twilight wins. Even Chalice agrees that the company needs a day of rest after weeks of grueling battles. She and Von Gies suggest stopping by Heap Nine, a drunker world where scavengers pick up what's left of a long dead civilization. It's not much as far as shore leave goes, but even Namir finds himself at a cantina with his comrades, drinking a terrible local brew and flitting with a green-skinned woman. Yeah, boy. Get it. Yeah, boy. That's my kind of girl. <laughs> That's how Saf spends her shore leave, too. <laughs> <laughs> Gedrin finds him three drinks after the woman leaves and tells him he should admit defeat. <laughs> <laughs> Namir argues that he never Namir, tells Brand admit that. admit defeat. <laughs> never. 
Never. Namir argues that he never tells Bran that, and Gendron replies that it's because Bran is better at it than him, and nobody cares when she plays the fool. <laughs> Namir hasn't actually seen Bran for a good hour, so she's off, you know, with some hot gals, probably. She is enjoying shore leave. <laughs> she's enjoying shore leave. <laughs> she's more successfully than Namir. Yes. Yeah, well, much more successfully. I mean, fair enough, if I saw Bran, I'd be like, yeah, girl. Yeah, she wouldn't have to do anything. She would just, like, point at me, and then, like, point at the door, and then we'd be out. Yeah. I just see her with a sniper rifle, I'm like, yeah, man. Gendron's <laughs> up all in! It fins up all in. Namir gets his point. What is sniper How- rifle a metaphor for in this case? Nothing, I just on. like snipers. Oh. Um, oh, it's literally a sniper rifle. Yeah, you know me and Min? Min Donos? Oh, that's right! That's right. Boyface Mindonos. <laughs> yeah, with the sniper. Boyface. Bro, Broface Mindonos. <laughs> <laughs> Namir gets Gadron's point. Hal never let himself look like an idiot. Gadron cuts in that Hal never let himself look like an idiot in public. Whatever Hal did in, in private is another secret that died with him. But Gadron doesn't doubt that he was as flawed and foolish as the rest of them. Gadron tells Namir that he's missed at the clubhouse. He asked Namir if he ever told him about Ferric Pax, a campaign from before even Saragon's time with the company. Namir thinks about lying to get away, but he's stuck here. Dramatic reading! Oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot there was a dramatic reading here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the internet's out. <laughs> there was a power oh. outage. Oh, no. <laughs> How are you communicating with us right now? On my phone and hoping oh, to God the battery doesn't die. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, do you want to keep going? Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be fine. Probably. Okay, great. <laughs> God. Like, I'm so sorry. It's not your fault. Yes, you should apologize for being personally responsible for the power outage. <laughs> Are you able to be Namir? Uh, no. Okay, I can try, <laughs> I can try and be Namir. I'll try my best. I'm, uh, I don't have the but my anyway, iPad anyway. is very Yeah, no, it's all good. I, I'll try and be Namir, but I, I won't be anywhere near as good as you. Uh, I'm out of battery. Oh, no. Um. Okay, Danny and Saf are doing a dramatic reading. Yeah, together. Danny yeah. and well, Saf are doing a dramatic okay, reading. Okay, it's Gadrin and me pretending to be Namir. Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay, you don't worry about it. You just pick every time that Gadrin talks now, don't you? All right, where are I we at, Saf? I may have done it for that. Um. Okay, so we are somewhere <laughs> mid-chapter 28. Um... We're looking for Gadra nodded sagely. Um, I'm trying to find like the best way to... Mm, I was about to say it's right before there's a tear in the book, but that's my book that I tore. Not yours. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. I found it. You're good. You found it? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, it's actually, it's okay. right after the tear in my book, so... Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, we don't need, we don't need the, we don't need the narrator. It's fine. No. Okay. No. We'll just do the words. I was new to the company, barely able to hold a blaster without singering, singeing my fingers. We were barely 200 strong, and we marched for days through the ruins of a proto-species kingdom in an effort to flank our foe. Oh my god, this is a fucking monologue. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and we taken to the skies, 
Our attempts at stealth would have been futile, but we left behind a trail of soldiers who could no longer walk or whose hunger ravaged their bodies as our supplies dwindled. We lost brave men to dreadful beasts. Others vanished, consumed by alien technology we lacked the knowledge to defend against. Then came the battle. We won that day against a laughing menace and her fiendish warriors, and we and we extracted the rebels we had been sent to save. But only 37 Twilight soldiers survived the crash. Oh god, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Which would be why I haven't heard the story before. There aren't many left to tell it. Not exactly uplifting. No, it is not. But it is etched in the history of our company. Howe's company. He led those 200 to their deaths. And he led those who lived in the aftermath. A Star Wars story by Chuck Wendig. He <laughs> built the company... <clears throat> he rebuilt the company from the ashes of its sacrifice. And you think what? I'm leading the company into another massacre? No. I think you fear the sacrifices we have made and the sacrifices to come. Hal felt the death of his men as keenly as any of us, but he never grew hard or distant. I told you at his funeral that I cannot explain him, yet I know he believed sacrifice was the strength of Twilight, and he wielded that strength to good purpose. If I were afraid of sacrifice, I would never have agreed to Chalice's plan in the first place. As you like, but we follow you, not Chalice, and we will gladly give you what you need to reach the shipyards of Quack. <laughs> oh, sorry for making you do that, Danny, but I feel like that was actually really important to the story. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Thematically important, but also delivered by Gadrin. <laughs> also yes. Gadrin. The thing is that Gadrin does deliver all the thematically important monologues in That's this the book. problem, yeah. Much to my dismay. It's just like, Runt all over again. Runt yeah. said a lot of poignant shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's always the aliens that do this. Yeah. I can't wait for Gadrin to organize prom. <laughs> so excited for that part of the book. <clears throat> After shore leave, they head for the asteroid mines of a Kulikuo belt. Namir picks the sabotage team himself, sending Roach to at Gadron's urging. She returns with a big hunk of gold the size of her fist and gives it to Namir as a gift. Nice. Cute. He plays with the gold in his hands while Chalice briefs him on their progress. The 107th Stormtrooper Legion has had three battalions pulled from Quart and reassigned elsewhere, exactly as planned. They can't take much more before hitting Quart. The poor company is pretty battered and bruised at this point. Two more stops, she says, before Quat. They gotta hit fast and hard, as life once had. Namir can give her two more. Mm. Next up, Solist, then Malastare. Solist, a familiar place. Solist, a familiar battle from the game Battlefront. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Almost like this is a Battlefront book. <laughs> I forgot almost how like this was a Freed, tie into yeah, the Yeah, almost video like Freed was finally like, Star oh shit, I have to make this about the game. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> Insert Captain America, I understood that reference. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, Malastare, which is a planet name I remember. I don't remember why, but I remember that I remember it. Victory is in sight. Clone Wars? Yeah, I think so. I think. Oh, is it a oh, Kotor thing? Probably. Yeah. I mean, Freed did work on the I've Republic, heard so. of it. I don't know if it's a, oh if it's oh. It's the homeworld of the Dugs. It's the Sebulba planet. 
Oh my god, it is. This is okay, maybe that's why I know it. That's weird. <laughs> its species is the <laughs> Gran as well. The Rees. <gasps> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a home world. <laughs> what a home world. Um, I also forgot. Can you imagine like, a planet of- where Zabulbas and Gran live peacefully together? <laughs> yeah. I cannot. I would like um, to go there. <laughs> speaking of Alex Freed writing for games, Alex Freed actually wrote uh, Star Wars Uprising, which is why there's so many references to it in this book. I see. Which I feel like I should have known considering I played the game, but I did not. Um, well, yeah, it's a, it's a tie-in t- Oh, wait. Star Wars what? Uprising? Yeah, the little mobile game that I've mentioned before, which is about the Anoite sector um, and the Iron Blockade, which is where Best Fin is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Right. Yeah. The Lando system. Yeah, yeah the Lando, Lando system. system. <laughs> <laughs> so victory is in sight. The day before Sullust, <laughs> okay. Namir tries to reach High Command sure. again. Sure, Jim. Hoping they could give him one last chance before <laughs> Twilight is fully committed. <laughs> but he realizes that it's not Twilight that's committed. Twilight's already there. It's him. This is the last chance for him to step away from his promise. But no, he's decided that he's here for Twilight, and so he's going to stay, and he's going to help them fight. Two hours later, Thunderstrike receives a reply from the relay station. It's a woman he remembers from Hoth. She'd punched him in the jaw when he picked a fight with Crindle. He wonders yeah. if she remembers him and tries his best not to laugh. <laughs> Buddy. What a I mean, weird we, reaction to that there, memory. Right? We've all been there, yeah. We've all gotten in a fist fight, right? I mean, yeah, but I don't usually Probably. like think about it and laugh. Well, he's mostly laughing about the idea whether or not she remembers him. Also, Namir oh, yeah. laughs at interesting times. Namir is an interesting boy. He's an interesting boy. My boy. Final orders still stand. High Command hasn't regrouped and Vader is still on the prowl. She asks if Twilight still has its cargo. Yep, safely aboard. He asks why she wants to know and she just tells him that General Bygar had high hopes. Now he's yeah. dead though and Twilight is alone. Oh, sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a moment of like, yeah, he does. And it's like, oh no, he doesn't anymore. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh, bad times. I miss Bygar. And- I miss Bygar. I love Bygar. Let Bygars be Bygar. <laughs> I think Bygars. Let Bygars be Bygars. That was yeah. confusing for my brain. The Bygars have been Bygars. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Thunderstrike and the Promise emerge into real space, so close to Solus that the gravity nearly tears their ship apart. The ship's apart. The plan is to jump as close as they can, then deploy the dropships before Solus orbital defenses can coordinate. Which means there is no time for a first wave to clear a safe zone for the commanders and medics. Rumor has it that Hobra delivered armor and fatigues to Chalice's quarters with the note, not available in black. Sassy. He's the last man off his ship. Namir, not Hobra. Um, <laughs> after quickly surveying the perimeter, he tells his squad that they have 24 hours before the dropships return. There's no time to eat, sleep, or pee. Their target is the Inusu Tor Mining Processing Facility. Mineral Processing Facility, which I feel like we have had mentioned before. The facility won't be easy to take, and twice Namir has to tell his squads that there will be no withdrawal. Namir gets his hand on the plex, a big weapon half as tall as a man. It sounds cool. He hoists it over his shoulders, it sounds so cool, and heads down the slope, away from the camp and the fighting. An airspeeder veers his way, and he takes it out with a rocket from the plex. Oh. He's such a badass. He's just like, I'm gonna take care of this myself, don't worry about it. I feel like Namir's finally like, yes, this is what I signed up for. Yes, I got this! (laughs) It's also me when I play Battle No Pass. more feelings, only weapons. <laughs> only explosions. Namir's just been like, 
totally apathetic through this entire book, and then he's handed a big gun, and he's like, all right, now we're living! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also like the uh, contrast between him actively causing explosions and loving it, and Thara being absolutely terrified of explosions now. Right. Good shit. He asks Chalice where they're at, and she tells him that they're ready for phase two. While the bulk of the company has been fighting their way to the apex of the facility, a handful of soldiers and engineers descended to the transport stations and stole a pair of mining vehicles to burrow through the mountain into the facility from the bottom, trapping the Imperials between two fronts. Genius. Once again, Twilight wins. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this plan whatsoever. Nothing is going to go wrong. Nope. Namir had doubted Chalice's plan, but he has to admit that she was right once again. Now that they've won the facility, engineers are working to flood the place with magma, totally annihilating it. The rest of them have around 12 hours to kill before exfiltration. Bran finds him pacing a walkway overlooking a magma stream. She asks him the final numbers. Four dead, 16 injured. Pretty lucky. She then asks why they're doing this, the whole Quark campaign. He tells her that he made a promise to support Twilight and the Alliance, and this is the best way he knows how. He tells her to say whatever she's thinking, because she he can tell she's thinking something. She thinking something. She, she's thinking something. She points out that Hal never gave Namir any one reason for he did what he did, because Hal never only had one reason. He never did anything that didn't count as a victory, even a military defeat. Her point is that if they're heading back just to hit back, or maybe Gadron and Roach and others see proud soldier sacrifice in it, but she and Namir are too old for that shit. Namir is not old. <laughs> He's weathered. <laughs> he is Namir emotionally is old, very he old. Has- He's not old, but he has extreme, I'm too old for this shit energy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's the Indiana Jones quote? It's not the years, honey, it's the mileage. Yeah, that's that's Namira. That's Namira. That does sum Namira up, yeah. Oof. I mean, who knows how old Brand is? She might be young, too. But I like to think she's not young. I picture her in, like, late 30s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And she's, like, taking care of this freaking kid who's too old for this shit. Right. All he can think is, how dare you? That she would wait this long to question him instead of when it mattered. He's tempted to say something really awful to her because he knows all her secrets, but he doesn't. He takes a breath and he doesn't do it. Instead, Good, he she'd asks, kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, she would kick his ass and he would potentially ruin their friendship, which I doubt he wants yeah. to do. I mean, he'd die that night, so. <laughs> he would die. She would kick him right off into that magma stream right then and yeah. there. <laughs> she'd be like, you're dead. I'm not taking control. I'm out of here. Twilight can die. Well, right. she'd probably take Problem Catherine Brooks with her, honestly. Brand out. <laughs> Yeah, she would take Roach and Gadron. She'd look after them. Yeah. But, but she would kill Namir. <laughs> Brand out. <laughs> Instead, he asks if she's actually got anything useful for him or if she's just questioning his command. She tells him neither and walks away. And, <laughs> like, Brand, you should know at this point that Namir's not going to figure out, like, the vague shit you're trying to tell him. He, you gotta no. be this boy. You have to be very direct and blunt with Namir. <laughs> That's why Chalice and Namir get along so well. Is she is very blunt. She's You're right. Like, she cuts through right, right through the bullshit. Here is my yeah. plan, and he's like, "Great." <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I can see that you're struggling with this thing. I'm going to point it out to you right now." Like, Namir hates it because she does see his bullshit, but also he likes it because she does see his bullshit. You know, right? And he doesn't understand. <laughs> he doesn't understand. Oh, I I love this sweet oh, boy. Poor Namir. <laughs> love him so much. Tona warns Namir that they've got heavy TIE presence, so the Thunderstrike is going to have to come in low while the Promise watches their flank. They're going to have to be quick, because... mm, I ruined my own notes. Tona warns him that they're going to have to be quick as the ship takes shape above them. Then a bunch of new specks arrive in the sky, and Namir hears a sound like thunder. 
Tona doesn't reply to his demand for updates. A new voice cuts into his comm from the promise. They've been ambushed. The Imperials were waiting for Thunderstrike to hit ammo the whole time. Namir commands everyone to pull back. Twilight can hold out on their own. But it's too late. The Thunderstrike isn't descending from its thrusters. It's straight up falling from the sky engulfed in flames. He hears the woman on the comm yelling to retreat, retreat, until a burst of static cuts her off. The Thunderstrike is gone. And Promise has either jumped away or been destroyed. Twilight is truly alone. Feels bad, man. <laughs> oh, the Thunderstrike being destroyed really hurts. It, it cuts deep. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. That's it just Twilight's goes home. to show that Twilight Company wasn't about the equipment. It was the friends they made along the way. I and mean, then also they... lost along the way? Yeah. <laughs> It's the friends who I died mean, along the way. It's the friends oh, who died along the way. Funny. I mean, you're not you're not entirely wrong there. I feel. <laughs> Oof. Planet Sullust, thirty one days into Operation Ringbreaker. Thera knows that stormtroopers must remain in uniform at all times in public. If for a reason she can't entirely explain, she removes her helmet in the security office of Pinyam Transport Station Four. Mm. It's not likely that she'll be seen, but there's still a chance. And when the memory. From her helmet is downloaded, she'll probably be caught and have it flagged. But she's so damn tired. She's working 10-hour shifts daily for the past three weeks, with no further medical treatment or counselling for her trauma. She hasn't been sent to the facility where the rebel army is yet, but she'll go if she's ordered. She's sure she's willing to fight. After weeks of no pause, no relenting, of crying into her pillow at night, she just needs a short moment for herself. So she takes off her helmet and chews on a ration bar, just for five (sighs) minutes. Just a break. Her lunch is interrupted by an emergency signal. There is something happening on the surface. Teams are being deployed to the streets of Pinyam and the upper garrisons, all expected to be combat ready. Twenty other troopers crowd into the lift to the surface with her. When they emerge onto rock, she hears wind and rumbling and the sound of fighting. When she looks up to where the other soldiers are pointing, she sees a ship plummet toward the mountain. As it crashes, she's sure that all of Pinyam is going to suffer for this. Brima mm. seeked her outskirts. Her, her day continues to be fine. It's yeah, fine. It's all fine. Extremely fine. She's gonna continue she's fine. to be fine. Everything's fine. Brima Sector outskirts, two days before the siege of Inusutor. Tabor's pleased. After picking up the common thread between Chalice's targets and sharing his findings with Verge, they now have a plan. The mood aboard the Gerald has changed for the better. I'm glad I'm glad I'm people are happy somewhere. Did I miss earlier that there's an Imperial ship named the Gerald? Okay! No, I did it's not! the Herald. Like, okay, I heard Gerald I as well. <laughs> no, I, I said Gerald. Like, when, like, when did we go from, like, the smooth Gerald. lady in a skirt to naming our Imperial ships the <laughs> Gerald? <laughs> like, the Thomas. Razor's Kiss. The Annihilator <laughs> Gerald. <laughs> Ed- Edwin. <laughs> Look, the G and the H are right next to each other on the keyboard, and I figured I might as well just keep it. <laughs> I'm sure. the proud captain of the Eugene. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I can't wait to serve my time aboard the Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I get Ash. <laughs> you love what? I love it when I get like a good laugh out of you. It makes me so happy. Tabor has worked with Verge to figure out Chalice's potential targets. They've been up, they've been too late to stop her taking out Nicadia and Kulikwo, 
but they both proved that Tabor was able to predict her moves. So they prepare Solist, Malastare, and Shrindal for- <laughs> Really? <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why are you asking it's a very interesting choice to pronounce Zap. the silent T that way. <laughs> hey, I tried to put that T in, okay? <laughs> Trindal for attack. <laughs> Sitting a trip on E. <laughs> oh no, I'm starting to cry. I don't know any other way to say it. That's just how it comes out. <laughs> oh, it's a really good thing that the rest of the book is not set on that planet. <laughs> I wish. The now lo- I wish it. The lost opportunity is what it is. Yeah. It would have been delightful. <laughs> then they get a signal from Solist. Twilight has arrived. Tabor was right. Verge arrives on the bridge. I hate how many smart people are actually in the Empire. It makes me mad. It's like, yeah. how dare you have smart people? I feel that. But also, I guess I they wouldn't that. have been, they wouldn't have been as powerful they are if they didn't have like three smart people. Yeah. <laughs> Doing yeah, all the, the really words. disappointing thing about Emperor Palpatine is that he probably has a really high IQ. Right. Oh, Palpatine like he is a fucking smart. genius, and it makes me yeah. so mad. Right. Like he's so smart. How dare you? How fucking dare he be? That he's just smart. high wisdom, low charisma. You know. <laughs> oh, no, he's <laughs> high charisma. He's got low. high charisma, high wisdom. Wait a second. High, like zero in actual Oh man, you suck, Palpatine. I forgot what D and D was for a second. I'm like, wait, what are the categories again? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Ooh, uh, he's also got really good dexterity and strength. Unfortunately, damn, that Palpatine boy's is OP. Out. Well, yeah, doing. He's doing been mid max to the max. Yoda. Yeah, Palpatine's the character that that one guy in your RPG group who doesn't understand the rules. <laughs> <laughs> that that one that guy. guy. Not at all speaking from personal experience. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm, I'm sure all of us, all of us can understand that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Verge arrives on the bridge and tells Tabor that there's no hurry. Their goal isn't the soldiers, but Chalice herself. And unless they're certain she's on the ground, they have to wait for the ship to come back for the company. Tabor will contact Sellis to make sure that the company isn't totally obliterated so that the ship will have a reason to return. Hmm. Maybe there's a reason that taking the facility wasn't as hard as it should have been. Yeah. Huh. I hate that. I really hate that. Huh. I extremely hated reading that and being like, oh, oh no. Oh, shit. <laughs> Verge laughs and for a me- minute, for a moment, Tabor feels good. But then he remembers where Verge's mad delight comes from and feels less good. He just wants to go home. He's like, all right, <laughs> that's right. He's an actual psychopath. If I were stationed <gasps> on the Imperial Star Destroyer Gerald, I would also just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> if I was stationed on the Imperial Star Destroyer Gerald, I would simply leave. Yeah. <laughs> I would simply Ooh, stop out. being stationed R.I.P. to those stormtroopers, but I'm different. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Look, look, Mr. Look, Mr. Palpatine, sir, I can handle the galaxy-wide genocide, but you name the Star Destroyer Gerald, that's where I draw the line. I'm, I'm out. That's too much, I'm man. That's too much. <laughs> Get a better I'm marketing imagining, team. Like, oh, I now bet. I'm imagining that, like, Gerald 
Gerald was Krennic's Star Destroyer oh that Tarkin named that just to fuck with Oh him. my god. <laughs> I was gonna say, I wouldn't be surprised if Verge named it Gerald, just to like have to say it to, like, so he says it to officers, and if they look like they're gonna laugh at all, he kills them. Yeah, they're not allowed to laugh. <laughs> it's to test them. Yeah. Ash, I like your theory. Like, you like to take it a step, take it a step further that Tarkin named it after one of Krennic's exes because he knew that it would return him. Shit! That's it. That's perfect. I can't believe that Krennic did someone. That's a good listener question. What would you name your star destroyer? We did that back in the Wraith Wraith books, but I think we did do that a long time ago. I think we should do it again, given this new era. We should. We should do it. Name it after that was Legends Star Destroyers. Yeah. <laughs> no, name it after Krennic's ex. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say which of your exes would you name a Star Destroyer? Oh, after? yes! <laughs> yes! Let's do it. Yes. Hmm. yes. I think I could say on this podcast. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll go with the. We'll go with Krennic. We'll go. No, I do think, like, just um, new new canon might be fun. Cause I mean, if we go with if we go with Krennic's exes, they're all just going to be named the Galen. <laughs> like... That's true. That's very true. Let's not do that. Let's just go with new canon. That sounds maybe better. Yeah. Okay, back to Planet Solist once again. Day one of the siege of a new Sutor. I feel like that. Oh God! Now it's a siege. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a siege. <sighs> Twilight digs into the processing facility to fortify for the attack. Namia sends out a few search and rescue squads to see if there's anything left of the Thunderstrike. Chalice tries to stop him from leaving. She tells him that they're all dead and he's needed here. Namia, being Namia, fucks off to join the squads headed to the Thunderstrike. <laughs> he try- Chalice tries so hard to like be like, dude, do smart things. Be smart. Here, I will <laughs> no. tell you the smart things to do. And Namia's just like, fuck you. <laughs> no. Yeah, Namia's like, fuck you, I'm a dumbass. Leave Ray. me alone. <laughs> fuck you, I'm gonna let do what me- I want. Let me be stupid. Let me be stupid in peace, Chalice. Right, like, if I wanted to be smart, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, if I wanted to be smart, I'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn, son. I really, I really respect their dynamic. I love it so much. It's very yeah. good. Namia tries to remember how many were aboard the ship when it went down. More than 30 permanent crew, there were company members who were not cleared for ground combat, and all of the injured shoulders, so- uh, unfit soldiers, unfit for duty. <laughs> Injured soldiers, I'm for duty. The injured soldiers with injured shoulders. I'm thinking of my. I think I'm thinking of my injured shoulder, and that was just coming through on what I said. Yeah. yeah. No, no worries. Von Gies. Von Gies would have known how many were aboard the ship, but unfortunately, Von Gies was also on the ship. Oh, yikes. it's a brutal trick to the transport. Yep. Yikes. I believe that's what we call irony. Yep. That's um. <laughs> Plain irony right there. It's what we call yikes.com. <laughs> Cue the Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> that is definitely bro- Namir's song of choice when Twilight it's Company like does karaoke, by the way. <laughs> oh god, Namir, why? Why? <laughs> it's just very loud and off-key. Right. Oh yeah, it's so off-key. <laughs> That poor boy doesn't know. And everyone's key. like, what is this song? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's from my home planet. Wait, wait, this isn't jizz music. <laughs> Put on the jizz music. Namir, play the jizz music. And he's just like, Namir! let me sing this, okay? Namir's like, we listen to Cantina Band song number one all the time. I'm so over it. Right. Bless that poor boy. 
<laughs> I'm in charge now. We're going to play my music. You know, for like an embarrassingly long time, I thought Fingering Dan, I thought his name was Fingering Dan, <laughs> and found it immensely entertaining that Fingering Dan played Jizz music. <laughs> <I'm terrible. laughs> That's a much better name, though. Oh my god. Uh... <laughs> George no, Lucas it's failed not. us. <laughs> No, no, he didn't. <laughs> no. no, he didn't. Why am I alone here? I don't know. I'm what... on Rogue Podron. You should if all I never have to hear the nickname Fingering Dan again for the rest of my life, it will not have been too soon. <laughs> Fingering Dan of the Molden Notes. <laughs> I don't want to hear about Fingering Dan and his nodes, okay? <laughs> You just gotta play some jizz music. <laughs> I, apolo- I apologize for everything. Apologize for said. nothing, Ash. <laughs> Never which, apologize. Which part of Star Wars did we think was good? Actually, I like. I cannot remember truly. <laughs> this part we this, think is good. Is this us is the good part. It. <laughs> it's strictly us. That's good. This is the good part. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. Ooh. It's a brutal trick to the transport, and there, I, I do enjoy that we managed to bring some joy and laughter to this book, because like I said, it's a brutal trick to the transport, yeah. and their arrival doesn't bring much hope. The ship is very destroyed, almost shattered across the ground, Great, but they do find some bridge crew who are alive, sheltered under consoles, and they find the broken parts of M2M5, the droid, scattered across the med bay where its final act had been to try and protect the wounded. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, I know. Oh, preach. By the time Namira arrives, Von Gies, woo, has begun triage. He survived. Woo. Woo. <laughs> woo. A little bit of hope here. Eventually, heavy bombers start tearing into the remains of the transport and ground oh, troops appear woo. on the horizon. Not woo. Namira doesn't woo. remember giving the withdrawal order, but he must because they struggle back up the slope. Up the slop is what I wrote. Up the slop. Up the slope, up the slope, uh, with the survivors that they've managed to save. When he returns to the facility, he's bombarded with reports and requests. When he's finally free, he chugs water, then meets with Chalice. She is pissed because she's realized that someone planned the ambush. Someone knew their plan. Someone's figured it out. He asks her what's next. Well, probably a starter story or two. Namir's like, I feel like they only need one. Yeah, there's there's only like <laughs> thirty of us, so. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, guys, it's not that bad. They're only sending one Star Destroyer. <laughs> it still seems bad. Yeah, yeah but it's the Gerald, have... and you know what that means. Oh, no. It's yeah, gonna she spend does the next five hours asking us to help it fill out the crossword puzzle. <laughs> Stop doing it in pen! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like an extremely um, verge and tabor thing to do. Oh, my God. Verge is so sure he can get it right, and he writes it in pen, and Tabor's just like, stop! You're getting it wrong! Stop it! (laughs) (laughs) Namir is determined to find a way out of this for Twilight. Yes? It's like, why does he even print them out on paper? (laughs) Like, like, just stop (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What are you doing? You can literally just, like, do, like, mobile Sudoku where you just tap in, write in a number. (laughs) You can write over it. Doing the hard Sudoku in pen is massive ego. Yeah. That, yeah. And that is what I do. Ha- oh, of course. <laughs> and that is Have exactly what I do. Someone, 
Having the have the confidence of someone who does a crossword puzzle in pen. Ugh, I don't. That's my the goal. New, my new life. <laughs> Even if you don't have the intelligence, have the confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Namira is determined to find a way out of this for Twilight. Chalice suggests they tell the company that they're giving up. Namira just laughs once again. Weird timing. She tells him that they have two main hurdles: He's- to survive the siege and to find transport off of Sullust. She tells Namir to deal with the first. She'll figure out the second. The rest of the night is spent readying for attack. The engineers undo the magma flooding because now that's not so useful. Uh, <laughs> but they make it so that the, if the imps try to tunnel into the facility like they did, they can flood them with the magma. Well, that's... They dig trenches. That's nice. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Namir's like, this seems like a dirty trick, but hey, we gotta win. I gotta make sure my team survives. Buddy, Twilight you are not the trenches. one I want to hear about not doing dirty tricks from yeah you're fighting the imperials you're fine yeah twilight digs trenches and assembles artillery at the entrance they'll make the imps fight for every step they take namir manages to get two hours sleep before a runner brings him food and tells him chalice wants to meet chalice tells him that she wants to go to pinyam she wants to get in contact with the resistance in the city that she knows exists and she wants him to come along too they head along with twitch twitch's surviving members and almost run down roach as she waves him down gadron sent her and wants her to go along to protect namir (laughs) <laughs> Namir's just like, wait, then who's with Gadron? Just Brand? And then Roach is like, yeah, <laughs> Brand. You think Brand's gonna have a problem with this? Because yeah, uh, it's Brand. <laughs> Brand's fine. <laughs> yeah, she's like, buddy, it's you that needs someone. Yeah. <clears throat> they get into civilian gear and conceal their weapons and equipment to try and pass for locals. They manage to get through the blockade. Roach sticking close to Namir the whole time, and after that, it's easy to get into the city. Namir can't help but gaze around and wonder at this massive obsidian cave city because, like, he is a rural farm boy at heart. Yeah. Roach does the same. Aww. A big grin on her face, and that actually comforts Namir. And then Chalice whispers something to Roach, and her smile disappears. Great. <laughs> Chalice Thanks, Chalice. <laughs> Thanks, Chalice. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they head through the dead quiet city. Dead quiet because it's on lockdown. To a safe house. Well, look, the Empire can even do lockdown better than we can. Well, like, not better than New Zealand. Not better than New Zealand. Oh, uh, no. Oh. And I'm sad again. Yeah. Uh, no, it's fine. Think about Namir. Not Namir. Think Thanks about Namir a lot, Chalice. Being excited at the city. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chalice, you fuck. They look for a safe house that Chalice read about in Hal's Files. When they arrive, it's like something called like a cold room or something like that an yes. ice room which is like a primitive place to store meats and stuff back in the old days and namir is like ah <laughs> oh, yes i do remember ice rooms from my own planet and everyone else is like what the fuck is an ice room because they aren't from you mean planet. a walk-in fridge like <laughs> you mean they refrigerate no like those, yeah no like a big freezer yeah yeah like well, those those those, ones. those city slickers don't know anything yeah they don't know shit <clears throat> they find a, they discover that someone has actually been there before when they get there. They find a data pad in a sanitation bin uh, that Roach finds. Good work, Roach. And Chalice notes that whoever was there prior used it to track the comings and goings of ships, and she can use that. Ooh. They decide to wait for a couple hours to see if anyone arrives before heading back to Twilight. Chalice sends Twitch's squad members to the spaceport to scout for options, leaving Chalice, Namir, Twitch, and Roach alone together. What a good group. Roach chatters at... <laughs> Roach chatters at Twitch as they guard the door, and eventually Namir relieves her to give Twitch some reprieve. He's surprised that Roach is so chatty now, considering how quiet she was when she got recruited, but Twitch seems used to it. She explains that, like, Roach is always at the clubhouse playing cards with everyone. She sucks at cards, 
and she chats all the time. Aww. Namir's a little sad that he actually missed her change. He swaps he's his brooch like, again. Oh. And twi- he's like the dad who missed baby's first steps because he was at work. <gasps> yeah. Oh, Namir, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes to quietly talk to Chalice in the far corner. She's visited Solace before, he notes, because there was a bust in the administrator's office, one that she clearly made. He realizes then that she helped build the system that they're trying to dismantle now. He asks how much of her plan is about taking back what she gave the Empire. How much is revenge? Will Quat even really matter in the long run? Chalice draws herself up, chest heaving as she tries to suppress another coughing fit, which for the record she has been having constantly throughout this. Hmm. Wow, representation. Uh, she tells him it will matter. It will definitely matter. She'd expected she'd expect that question from a rebel soldier, but not from Namir. She expects better from him. She expects okay. him to get it, which like why does everyone expect Namir to get it? I don't He has know. never gotten it in his He's entire not life. Going to get it. Namir's like, why does anybody have any expectations of me? I haven't yeah, done right. anything. He's like, expect me to shoot and kill people. Literally anything else. Why? Why? Right. Literally why? Twitch's scout on the comlink interrupts them. She tells him to get out. They're right outside the safe house, so get out now. He gives Chalice to Roach and tells him to find shelter. He and Twitch will follow, giving them cover. Twitch instead tells him to go on without her. Her team is still back there and she's not going to leave them. Namir tells her that her team is dead and she is her team now. And she tells him to go to hell. Yep. <laughs> yep. He doesn't hear the grenade until he's thrown against a wall. He blacks out. Planet Whoa. Ver. Planet Ver Afshur. Day four of Operation Mad Rush, 19 years after the Clone Wars. Okay. <laughs> Namir Hazrim is in his bunk when the news of Alderaan comes down. Yep, thank you. <laughs> Hazrim, Namir Hazrim, Namir is in his bunk. When the, I literally read his name when I wrote this. Did you? I still got it wrong. Yes, because I was reading the book. Hazram Namir Hazram Petulant Namir is in his bunk when the news of Alderaan comes down. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to him. But that night, he sees the reactions of his comrades and knows it's something new and bad. He asks what's different this time. The imps have bombed and gassed planets before. It's Gadron who tells him that all of Alderaan is gone now. Namir doesn't quite get it, but like he understands the implication, for once. And there's a handy mnemonic device. Gadron explains that it's Alderaan. That's gone now. <laughs> All of Duran. And that is why that's the only time Namir has ever gotten it. Because he was like, oh, thank you, Gadron, for that handy mnemonic device to understand. Thank you, Gadron. See, Gadron needs to, like, tell gone. Chalice and Brand that all they need is mnemonic devices. They just, yeah, work, you gotta work Honestly, with Namir. Namir just needs Gadron to follow him around all the time. <laughs> Gadron seems, well, Gadron seems relatively good at explaining things to Namir, and Namir doesn't always get it, because Gadron isn't always clear either. Hmm. Yeah. And Namir's Namir. I think that's why Namir and Hal just did not mesh. Like, Hal was like, I love this kid. And Namir was like, I don't understand. I don't get anything you're trying to tell me, man. (laughs) 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 I do not understand. Namir is in a trench in the honeyfields of Ver Afshur when he hears about the Death Star's destruction. He shares in the joy of his comrades. They win Ver Afshur, Brand watching Namir the whole time. Namir had been put in charge of his squad at this point, and he's wondering... Brand has been watching him for a long time, and he's wondering if she either put, like, recommended him to be in that, or if she's just curious how he's going to go and wants him to fail. 
but she's oh okay <laughs> he can't tell i mean i feel like we know now that she probably did recommend him and is watching him to make sure he's okay yeah but damn <laughs> yeah damn <laughs> that evening fectrin gives namira a report to pass on to hal because everyone's gonna have to meet him eventually great hal tells namira to walk with him they go out into the fresh air it's nice he tells Namir that the song of Lojin has been stuck in his head for the last few days. He can't remember the most of the of words. The song of Lujane, the heart the song of Twilight of Company. The song of Lujane has been stuck in his head for the last few days. He can't remember most of the words, and the opera is banned by the Empire. Mm. He can't find a single copy, which is goddamn. That I I know that feeling, and it sucks. <clears throat> <laughs> Not like the opera being banned by the Empire, but yeah, no, I knew, I know what you mean. I spent three years trying to find a song recently. I finally found it. Amazing. I'm proud of you. <clears throat> was it that Namira's weird Christmas short... song? No, it oh. was. No, it was a weird post-rock song, which didn't have any lyrics. So oh. it made it very hard oh. to find. <laughs> yeah. How do you even do that? <laughs> I, I thought it was a particular band that had done it. And then like ages ago, I looked at their discography and I couldn't find it. And so I keep going through like similar bands and all the different bands I used to listen to and stuff. Uh, three years later, Went through a discography again, found out it was that band, and I just missed the song. So that was embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> cool story, bro. Namir isn't sure. Yeah, Namir isn't. <laughs> that's just like typical me life, honestly. <laughs> Namir isn't sure that he can help uh, Hal with this problem, but Hal says that he's already helping because fresh air and new perspectives helps to trigger memories. He's heard good things about Namir. That he's saving the new recruits' lives and even some of the older soldiers' lives. Hal wants to know Namir's thoughts on what they should do in the time before leaving in a few days. Namir suggests to keep it simple, send a few squads to grab all the food and equipment that came from the settlement. Hal laughs. This is the fresh perspective that he wants. He's already remembering a schoolyard crush now, a toilet girl called Yanya. Alright. <laughs> Alright, buddy. Hal is a Hal is a strange man. <laughs> Namir asks if Hal thinks him too harsh. Hal simply thinks that Namir understands the war. They gotta treat civilian settlements with respect. Settlements? Settlements with respect. It's not mercy or justice, it's just how you win the war. Twilight is fighting a battle for the heart of the galaxy. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. I just forgot which page number it was before I got here. <clears throat> Three twenty four. Oh, Luke Jane Forge, the heart of the galaxy. <laughs> heart of the galaxy. Oh no, I spilled food on this. No! It's fine. Your poor no! book has a tear, has food on it. Like... I know, I'm so mad. It was so well taken care of before this week. <clears throat> Twilight Company is fighting a battle for the heart of this galaxy. For the spirit of every ordinary man and woman and Imperial Stormtrooper. Stealing food won't help us win. Killing enemy enemies won't either. Against might on the scale of the Empire, conventional victory is impossible. When our objectives become purely military, we've already lost the larger fight. It sounded like the contorted justifications Namir had heard inside the Creed, a philosophy meant to disguise its own hunger for war. Yet, looking at Hal, Namir believed the captain was sincere, and somehow, Hal had kept Twilight alive through conflicts that had decimated other rebel companies. He forced himself to smile. Of course, he said. No riling up the locals then. Hal clapped him on the shoulders and laughed again. Good enough for now. You'll figure out the rest in time. <laughs> and that's where we leave it for this that week. Is unhelpful my dude <laughs> yeah thanks Hal <laughs> hey you'll get it eventually and Namir's just sitting there like, what the fuck am I supposed to do what does that like, mean I never, I never get things I don't know I don't know what does that mean huh. 
I have never once understood anything in my entire life. And I am life. not I don't starting, now. starting now. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's got Chalice now. She yeah. can, th- she can understand things and then tell him. <laughs> okay, uh, last week's glistener question was, what do Chalice and Namir do when they hang out? And uh, Dinner said Namir and Chalice regularly hang out in the same room separately, insisting they're not hanging out together. One will say something and the other will respond. Then again, ten minutes later, and again, and again, and they will insist they are not having a conversation. Oh my god. That's just <laughs> typical. That sounds exactly right for them, yeah. Why are you so stubborn? <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone will refer to Chalice as Namir's friend, and he'll be like, no, 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 we're not Wait, friends. It's like, not not friends. Up. I don't like this person. <laughs> absolutely not. That's no, what I've been saying not. about Rogue Potter for four years. <gasps> no, I'm not on a Star Wars podcast. I oh, just, okay. Just happened to say things over. Oh, over, I was like, you've been again. denying our friendship for four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just denying that I'm on a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, that's fair. It's a. Whenever I talk to people at Rogue Podra now, I'm like, it's a book club podcast. It's a book club podcast. <laughs> it's a book club podcast. They're like, oh, what kind of books? And I'm like, sci-fi books, science just books. fiction. <laughs> You know, just just books. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just a bunch of different kinds of we books. We read books. Just, you know? books. Multiple books. <laughs> we read a books romance with novel characters. a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. We read a romance novel. Oh, it was the we best got some novel, people to read actually. the romance novel. We're reading like a war novel right now. Yeah. <laughs> we just read a lot of novels. Uh, Dylan said Namir and Chalice take turns reading popular hollow novels out loud to each other to laugh at them. I love this <laughs> so much. They would, vehem- uh, uh, they would vehemently argue against this label, but they are technically a book club. <laughs> <laughs> we are also technically a book club. <clears throat> we are technically a book club. Technically. <laughs> uh, X-Wing said, taking advantage of Namir's general naivete about the galaxy, Chalice makes up wild shit about Coruscant to tell him. Yes. Namir is fully convinced that the latest Coruscant fa- Coruscanti fashion trend is that no one wears pants, inspired by Palpatine's <laughs> tutorial choices. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love <laughs> so that. Good. Brand in the background just like, oh my fucking god, Namir. <laughs> <sighs> do we need to do a dramatic re- a reading for the next one? Yes. It is. Because Ben Warman. It is ben quite Warman long, a, a so it depends on oh. how much time we're willing to give it. Uh Oh yeah, we can't read this whole thing. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. We can start from when they talk, maybe. Okay, so we are reading the second half of Ben Warman's fic. If you <laughs> want to read the first half, we'll have the link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's what you're thinking? You want to teach me to read? At the very least, you need to be given the tools to figure things out on your own. Military jargon and parlance is built on abbreviations and acronyms, so merely giving you a list of words to memorize would be pointless. If you learn Orbish, I think that would be a good starting point. The rest would come through time and experience, the same way you have always learned. You may lack formal education and refinement, Captain, but I do not think you are a stupid man. I don't really care what you think, or for your opinion. He didn't quite lean forward or take a fully aggressive stance, but there was a sense of that, a sense that he wanted to intimidate with his posture, squaring up his shoulders, puffing out his chest. I get by with what I have. 
I can get through a tech manual for new weapons or gear, and if I miss something, someone lets me know. So all you're doing is sticking something in my face so you can make a point of telling me how much I don't know. I don't appreciate that from people, least of all you. Chalice sighed. She knew that this was a waste of time. I see I have wasted both of our time then. Very well, go back preparing for our upcoming operation. I will not bring this up again. She closed the data pad down, powered it off, then turned on her heel and walked out of the cabin. She was three steps into the hallway, and well on her way to forgetting that whole conversation had taken place, and on to the next, next task set before her, when Namir's voice struck her from behind. Wait. She stopped, and without turning around, she asked. Yes, Captain? There was a... There was silence for a moment, which Chalice assumed was Namir chewing on his words while he decided what he wanted to say. The distant sound of commotion and work were louder in the hall than they were in the cabin, making it seem like she was halfway between quite different worlds. She half expected him to fling an insult at her, but then again, while Namir had made his dislike and discomfort with her presence within Twilight Company abundantly clear, he had almost often stopped short of petty words. He was a man of action first and foremost. Calling her name as she walked out of his cabin did not fit his personality. Is it really that important? He said at last, his voice a distant, almost fading thing. Of course, she said, still not turning to face him. I would not come here if it was not. Come back here. <laughs> she turned, but she did not walk back toward him. Namir was sitting on his bunk again, his elbows parked on his knees and his hands laced together against his mouth. He looked at a, he looked at up at her with that hunter's expression he often had, dark eyes wary and watching. She could almost see his disdain for her weighing itself in his mind against what she had told him. She'd watched him kill enough people to know that if he truly wanted her dead, he would do it. So she wasn't frightened of him. Still, there were times where she turned that expression on her, and she had a vision today to a day where her usefulness to him would be at an end, just like it had been for the Empire. I'll give you five minutes to walk me through whatever plan you have in mind, he told her, mouth still hidden behind his hands. After that, if I don't like it, then you get out and this never gets mentioned again. Chal smiled. I will only need three minutes, I think. She walked back to the cabin, Datapad swinging around in front of her again, and waited until he had shifted himself over to the far end of the bunk to sit down. If there was any other seating in the room, she would have chosen that instead, but she had to make the best of limited options. She sketched something quickly on the pad, then turned it around and showed it to him. This symbol. I'm sure you have seen this before. This is Auric, the first letter in Orbish, both the name and the alphabet itself. When someone writes that sound, this is what they use. Namir sat with his arms folded over his body. His blank expression told her that he was following her, but not impressed. So she kept going. She turned round. The, she turned the pad round again, sketched something else out, and turned it back around. The second symbol is Nern. This is the eighteenth letter, and I am showing it to you out of order on purpose. Like Auric, the name leads with its sound. Keep that in mind. So, so far we have Nern and Auric. Once again, he did not look like he was caring about what she was saying, but he also did not look confused or lost, which meant that so far it was going as well as she expected. She turned the pad round once more, once again, and one more time, and did the more writing, speaking to him as she did so. I am going to add three more symbols and tell you what their names are, and I want you to tell me what they spell out once they are all together. 
When she turned the screen toward him, she heard him intake a bit of breath, either like he was going to say something or something had surprised him. But when she paused for his response, he said nothing. Now, she told him, we have Nern, Auric, Mern, Isk, and Rish. Can you tell me, now knowing what I told you, what this word is? He paused for a long moment, looking at the screen and looking at her in alteration. It says Namir, he said at last. My name. Indeed. No doubt you have seen this before on reports and equipment requisitions and such things, but now you know what it means. This is how it appears when someone references you in writing, or when you have to sign your own name to things. Chalice lowered the datapad for a moment so she could be sure that she had his full attention. Well, am I allowed to continue, or will we spend the remainder of your five minutes staring at each other in silence? Namir took a deep breath and let a sigh out through his nose. Go on. <laughs> oh, she that's told him cute. to read his own name. That's so that's cute. Really cute. Yeah, that's, yeah, I that scrolled really down, cute. and when I saw it, when I saw it, that it was his name, I was like, okay, that's so cute. <laughs> too oh, precious. No, that's so cute. <sighs> I love Ben's writing so much. Yeah. Oh. And uh, Tom the fanboy said, Chalice and Namir have secret karaoke nights. They found ca- common ground in pre-Clone Wars pop music, and digital music services helped them branch out from there. They've won three Holonet Awards for their cover of Chicken in the Pot. <laughs> Chalice Space is also a fan of a lot of more sit. Spicken. She's like, is that, in the is that ironic? Is that ironic that he's singing right now? Don't you think? <laughs> Don't you think, Namir? <laughs> <laughs> like he's kind of humming it and then she like busts in with the it's like rain <laughs> and they're like what the fuck what the everyone else in twilight is like are they singing together and roach is just like what the hell did i get into <laughs> <laughs> roach is like should i shoot her is right. this like some kind of spy thing is this a spy thing <laughs> are they mating i don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I think all right, well, you're all wonderful, but Bodhi. we're all giving our glistening bodies to Ben yes. Warman this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say everyone should oh, get glistening bodies because these are exact all good. opposite approaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, either you get none or you get one each. So it's like, you can pick which option happened there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ben, if you want four, you can take four. Everyone else, if you want one, you can take one. You can take one. <laughs> It's just how it is this take, week. Take a boat and leave a boat. Listening boaties have become kind of a community effort. <laughs> yeah. It was like it's hard not to give anyone one because these are all really, really good. Yeah, and Ben's is like really, really, really good. We're we're defunding the glistening boaty administration and just distributing redistributing the resources amongst the community so you yourselves can decide how at least this they week, get yeah, utilized. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll hold on whether or not we do that next week, depending on how good the answers are. <laughs> Um, my Google Doc isn't showing next week's question. <laughs> What's the question? Uh, oh. next week, if you were going to name a new canon ISD, Imperial Star Destroyer, in other words, what would you name it? I want to think about this, this one. This is an extremely rare Rogue Podron Redux question. Yeah. We're asking you the yeah. same question multiple years later, and new context means you're going to new context. Very exciting. Based on the context I'm we have here now. now, so, you know, can... <laughs> Yeah, Ash is here now. Yeah. You gotta make Ash Were laugh. you not? Um, were you not here then? I mean, I... I no. I, I did just realize... Not like I a feel host. Like you've been here... Huh. I did listen to Ash the show. Host. Yeah, it feels like Ash has been here forever. At that point. Uh, I did realize we didn't answer last week's question last week, so we have to answer it. Oh. Namir and Chalice. 
I think they just get together, both each get on their individual data pads and never speak to each other. And then after 45 minutes, Samir's like, that was a good <laughs> hangout. I liked that. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's pretty right. Um, I like the idea that Chalice is determined to teach Namir to appreciate wine and cheese, so she throws him <laughs> wine and cheese nights, and he hates he hates all of the strong smelling cheeses and all the strong tasting cheeses, so he's just like constantly eating like cheddar, Edam, mild cheddar, not even cheddar. Cheddar is too strong for him. It's like Edam and like Colby. And <laughs> he just shit. went and got a cheese and stick she's out just of like, the fridge. Namir, please. Yeah, he's <laughs> eating that plastic shit, and she's just like, for fuck's sake, please just try just just try the salumi, just try this. Like, she's picking out, like, the most mild cheese she can do. She's like, this halloumi, this camembert, this brie, please, just some gouda. Ooh, I love salumi. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, nah. nah. But he will drink the wine. Of course. Even he, he doesn't can't, like it. He's he like, can't she's tell like, you the she's difference like, what, between what do you any taste? of yeah, it. She's like, what do you taste in this wine? What notes do you get? And he's like, wine. I think there's grapes, I think there's I taste grapes wine. in here, maybe. <laughs> she's like, this isn't even a grape wine, it's a plum wine. And he's just like, then I taste plums. <laughs> right. It's like, he knows it's red because it's room temperature, and he knows it's white because it's cold. <laughs> and that's, yeah. That's it. Yep. <laughs> um, they play air hockey, and it gets disgustingly competitive. <laughs> oh, I love that. Everyone yes. comes around to watch. Um... It's it's rough. It's rough. There's lots of betting. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. So much betting. <laughs> they because they they stay at zero zero because neither of them will let the other person get a point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, my answer is Mario Kart. Nice. Oh, but a again, also like very they good each have their they each have their individual switches. So they're, like, sitting in the same room, like, playing separately on their individual switches. And then after 20 minutes, one of them is like, well, like, it would probably save power if we just played on one switch, right? And so then they play together, but only because it makes sense to save the battery power on their switches. Mm. It makes sense for resources, yeah. 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 Not because they want to. No. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I love these two. It's like it's like that joy you get from like when two characters are obviously romantically interested but are refusing to accept that. Except it's just friendship, and I love it. Yeah, they're like absolutely not, absolutely not. So, anyways, for our question this week, name that new can Imperial Star Story with that new context. Yeah, and our new host, who has somehow always been here, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at Rogue Podron with your answer to this question. Email us roguepodron at gmail dot com. Our website is roguepodron.com. You'd think that one day I would actually have my book prepared uh, with my things. Mm-hmm. Today is not that day. Where the fuck are my outdoors? Today we fight. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> today we fight. <laughs> Do you hate summer? Oh. Contribute to Heath's ongoing efforts to destroy the bastard season on Patreon. No more sweeting. Patreon.com <laughs> slash roguepodron. <laughs> All right. Not sure if we can manage that. I feel like feel like there's a lot of sweating on Patreon. Give us money on Patreon. We can all go beat up the sun. Yeah, that's the main goal. We can beat up the sun. (laughs) Please, please fund our efforts to beat up the sun. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Rogue Podron. Subscribe via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Google, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Just subscribe. Rate and review us on iTunes. Give us. 
Nice reviews, please. We want those five stars. They're very lovely. They make people listen to us uh, for some godforsaken reason. It's true. I like I like good reviews. Next time on Rogue Padron, we will be reading Star Wars Battlefront Twilight Company by Alexander Freed. Chapters whatever we left off on to the end. Oh, boy. Woo! Oh, God, this is going to be, I'm sure this is going to be nice and fun and, and chill. What, it's going to be great. What an end. <laughs> Everyone's going to be so happy. I actually remember what happens in the end, unlike some oh, no. people hosting this podcast. It's a happy ending for everyone, <laughs> except for most of them. Except for maybe Verge. Yeah, maybe Verge. I, every time someone says Verge and it's not me reading it off of a screen, I'm like, Vergeer? She's not in this book. No, not Vergeer! <laughs> I know, and yet, and yet. Now, okay. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, pew, Pash pew, pew, out. Wait, I don't say that. You don't say that. Sorry, I got confused there for a second. <laughs> also, Pash out. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Pesh out! Wait, wait. It's not. Also, Saf out. Go there, I made a pew pew. <laughs> also, Saf out. It's like Gonna... So I have a fun, I have a fun story about um. So I had my autism psych yesterday, uh-huh. yesterday, day before yesterday, <laughs> and she was like, so it was like eighty questions of like stuff that it's basically like to test if like you have mild autism symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions was like, you don't understand idioms or common sayings, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I do not. You don't. And I was like, I also can't remember idioms or common sayings. She was like what do you mean by that? And I was like, you know, I say things like kick two birds with one boot. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Okay, why are you kicking any bird? Like I get, I get my intention across. Like I definitely get it across. Yeah. I just don't understand what the idiom actually means. So you like, can't... I can't say the right thing. <laughs> and she just kind of gave me this look like, huh? Okay. If okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, me discovering that. Yikes! My rhopodron trope might best be because I have a weird brain. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rogue Padron. <laughs> <laughs>